Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. It is Sunday. I am Jason Napolitano, and on the line, it is my pleasure to have Mr. Chris Sheridan. I'm back. <laughs> you, are, you are. You're back. I don't know where I went, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know how okay. he's going to say, where'd you go? Yeah. <laughs> well, I went to Hollywood today, so that's... Uh... You're back from Hollywood. Yeah. You had a good trip into Hollywood. I did. All right. You practiced and played some music and you then you you talk you spoke to the muses, the art muses, and uh worked on some of those good things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that that actually so you primed the pump for what we're gonna talk about today. So today we are getting into aesthetics, the urge to beauty, as Manley Hall calls it. Um, and we are drawing from first principles of philosophy, and I would like to encourage you to go back and listen to the whole show that we did on this book, First Principles of Philosophy, because it's a fantastic little guide uh, to these philosophical ideas. We're going out of order, uh, but so there's seven chap- seven sort of departments of philosophy that he talks about. Uh, this one, aesthetics, is the sixth department of philosophy. Uh, it goes all the way from metaphysics to what he calls theurgy. Uh, and we're in this section aesthetics, so we're going to talk about that. It's mainly about the study of art and uh, beauty, and what that means to the soul and uh, the the light, you know, the inner life and intelligence, the mentality of of, of our inner life, and so on. How the, the art interacts with that, and it's the philosophy of that. We'll get we'll get more into that. I'm getting out of myself. So, uh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for being uh, with us each week. And thank you to our listeners who are supporting us financially. And uh, those of you who are not, if you can, please do. Uh, we're at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. And you can make a small monthly donation through there. And we would greatly appreciate it. To, if you can help us keep this mission moving forward of sharing this, uh, uh, ancient wisdom, philosophy, psychology that we do each week on the Cosmic Eye Show. Uh, we appreciate your listening, and uh, we hope that you appreciate you know us showing up each week doing the show. And if you can, like I said, please do uh, support that and help us keep moving forward. Uh, so as I said, we're going into First Principles of Philosophy, uh, the sixth chapter. Uh, and again, it's not necessary to have read this. It's not necessary to have listened to that uh, that first principles of philosophy show that we did either uh, a couple shows ago, a few shows ago. Uh, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to it if this material does uh, grab you. Uh, but this is one we really wanted to get into. It's an interesting subject. It's it, there's there's a million things you could talk about, and we, we we're going to have to kind of narrow it down to a few things that we want to discuss from this. But it's it's something that is not thought of much these days, but is still a very important sort of philosophical idea that most people do actually care about, but they may or may not know how to express their ideas about it. Uh, would you agree with that? It's like this is kind of something we we unconsciously comment on things but we don't know we're really you know we are we're talking about aesthetics well we are and it refers to the arts uh, in general and beauty as far as the direction of the art um, and an expressive um, medium and um, it's he calls it the most civilizing force in nature and you know, beauty, we can look at it very superficially. And then everybody with an Instagram account, you know, is beautiful. Um, some of that can just be imagery. But, you know, for beauty to really be looked at as mm-hmm. a thing. Um, interesting. I think maybe, yeah. uh, you know, maybe we need to. And not just, oh, really a discourse or an argument, rather, on, on what is considered beautiful and what is not. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to get into that. And maybe get to uh, some you know deeper meanings, yeah, exactly. beauty and the purpose. Um, but yeah, that it's a universal thing. It's in us. There is this urge to it, and when there is disharmony and either lack of beauty or uh, a, a certain kind of unbeautiness, um, we don't feel good in our being, yeah, and in yeah. our lives. And uh, and we really need to look at the effect that that has. Exactly. On us, whether we realize it or not. Perfectly, perfectly said, perfectly said. And, and I, that's kind of, you know, that's the other thing I was getting at when I was talking about. It's one of these things that 
it's operating on us all the time. And I think we don't necessarily recognize it and we don't necessarily know how to talk about it or don't even know what field it is that we're speaking of. So I'm going to read this first a paragraph from this because he really concisely concisely explains this idea of, of this area of philosophy known as aesthetics. By the way, if you're not looking at this, I'll spell it for you. It's E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S, aesthetics. Uh, it's not a word that we come across that often. Aesthetics is used in, uh, if you look it up online and you look it up on YouTube and so on, if you're looking for uh, videos about it, most likely what's going to come up is is plastic surgery stuff, <laughs> which is very interesting. So there, that whole field mm-hmm. is, 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 you know, is aesthetic surgery now, apparently. But we're talking about the philosophy of aesthetics. But, you know, that is involved with the creation of what people think is beautiful. Like I'm trying to reshape my face into a more symmetrical and more beautiful form, right, I guess is the idea of that. So aesthetics then, uh, I'll start this off. So aesthetics is the sixth department of philosophy and may be defined as that branch of learning, which is devoted to an examination of the substance of the beautiful and the effect of beauty upon the spiritual, intellectual, and moral life of man. Under the general term, aesthetics are included the several arts devoted to the theory and practice of beauty cultivated by the ancients. Uh, and again, you know, Manley Hall is mostly focusing on, you know, the, the ancient philosophy here and Neoplatonic and Platonic ideas. Uh, but it does, of course, apply to the apply to our, our more modern types of arts. I mean, you could definitely use aesthetic philosophy and ideas and judgments to look at film and video and posts on social media. Even there's no reason why you wouldn't. Um, those are a bit thin, you know, and may not have as much depth and meaning as 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 art would, you know, a true art. But they're nonetheless a production of some creative thought or impulse in someone. Uh, in ancient times, though, and I'm going to just kind of lay this out, they looked at music, vocal and instrumental music, drama, sculpture, architecture, um, you know, classic arts, painting, drawing, coloring, art of dance, artistic and gymnastics, uh, dance, uh, the art of decoration, adornment and design, oratory, speech, basically, which later involved into poetry and literature. And then they even considered, the ancients even considered the sacred arts, ritual arts, a sort of a set aesthetics of veneration and aesthetics of worship, basically. Um, and then together, these uh, constituted a supreme art, and Manley Hall calls that the art of living. And so that's really what this is all about, is the art of living, how you're living, you know, the art of living your life. And, and again, so the, the, real, the real sort of crux of this thing is the idea of what, you know, what is beautiful? What is beautiful to us? What is, what is our society basing its values on? What are we aiming towards? Um, things like that. Um, and, you know, aesthetics is, is considers uh, standards of, of form and proportion and relations of value, harmonies, quality of sound, color, any, anything like that. These things are all I'll study the aesthetics and all are part of the aesthetic experience. So, for example, let's just think about a piece of cinema, you know, a cinematic uh, piece of art, you know, a great film or something. And, you know, Chris, you've done a lot of work on film, obviously, so you have a lot to say about this. But, you know, all the things that go into making a great film, and when I say a great film, I mean, you know, classic films that are artistic pieces that have been studied over the years and are accepted as some masterpieces or, you know, classical pieces of cinema. Uh, the films of Kubrick and, you know, Orson Welles and, you know, even even the new, new Wave, the French New Wave filmmakers in their own way were contributing something to cinema. And then, of course, you know, you've got the great, you know, films of John Ford and, you know, William Wyler and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole history of, you know, Francis Ford Coppola and some of his epic films. And I think these are some of the more, more modern things. Martin Scorsese comes to mind with some of his work and, um, you know, the great, you know, great, great pieces of art. But the thing about a film that's so interesting, it just has all of these elements. You know, there's sound, there's color, there's dialogue, there's drama. There's, you know, there's structure, there's 
you know, there's the framing of scenes and so on. So it's like a great moving painting. Uh, so there's, there's all those elements to that art. And that's why it's such a, it's such a rich art. Uh, and such an interesting one to look at aesthetically speaking. Well, there are um, many levels of aesthetics to be approached in a movie because it is really the multimedia medium mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. of certainly the 20th century and, and will just continue because you have music, you have sound, you have light, you have image, you have the script uh, of the dialogue um, and juxtaposition and all different kinds of things. You can, you can squish the space and have people talking literally close together in a box and that highlights the, or in a very small space, you know, highlights the drama yeah. or go against that. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to do that. And that has an effect on the storytelling, uh, but ultimately the experience that the person has with, whether it's a you know, great movie or a, a work of art, a sculpture, mm -hmm. you know, a painting or some, or the beach, the mountains, look what nature does. There's quite a bit of beauty there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so really the, this whole idea of aesthetics and the ancient kind of uh, idea of, of, of looking at, at the beautiful and looking at, at art as a way into the transcendental, really a way into the, the spiritual, a way into the soul uh, and, and it being this kind of tool to, for, you know, an unfoldment of the soul, a transformation of the soul. That's one of the things that a lot of people argue is missing from our, some of our work today. Now I'm not saying no artists attempt to do that, but it's not necessarily the, the goal of contemporary artists in any of these, any of these fields. And when I say that, I mean, architecture, I mean, music, I mean, sculpture, I mean, painting, dance, any of the, you know, classical arts, as it were. Um, there are very few people who follow these, these sort of classical guidelines any longer. Um, they, they, you know, they're, they're not really something that most people are shooting for. And I'm not saying all people, because you will find here and there that artists do kind of attempt to bring these beauty, these concepts of, of beauty in, into their work, which does not mean there aren't attractive things. This is the difference. It's like beauty in this sense, the way that it's being used like by the Neoplatonists and so on and so forth. It's, it's a virtue. So I'm going to, I'm going to read this. It's like, because uh, Manly Hall points out, he talks about Plotinus talking about, you know, Socrates and Plato ideas about what is beautiful. He says the noblest speculations on this subject are contained in the celebrated treatise of Plotinus on the beautiful. From this great Neoplatonist, we learn that beauty is essentially perfect order in things and of things, beauty is a certain virtue present in all bodies, in all forms, and in all substances. Beauty is the true being which animates all living creatures. It's the dynamic pattern, the aesthetic framework by which the world is supported. And it's that particular fitness by which perfected natures are distinguished from imperfect natures. And perfect forms from imperfect forms. So it's this idea that there's something something innately beautiful in everything but what the, the the artist is trying to do is to create images to create sounds to create feeling and emotion in, in their work that evokes those that inner perfection and helps us to uh, unfold unfold that innate thing that's within us it's it's something you know it's something very archetypal it's as if there's almost an archetype of of beauty within us that's seeking out these experiences through the artwork and you know manly hall in some of his especially in some of his later uh discussions and writings and 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 uh, lectures was pretty pretty critical of the modern way that that was unfolding, that people were, you know, were doing art, were doing, you know, he, he, he really saw in a lot of the critics of modern society, have, you know, the same feelings that there's a certain ugliness that's crept into our aesthetic sensibilities um, over the years. And it's like blanketed the world with, you know, unfortunately, ugly things, ugly buildings, 
you know, ugly advertisements, ugly ways of acting towards each other, ugly ways of doing things. And, you know, many times this is blamed on an overly commercial and overly materialistic attitude. And I don't think he's wrong in that criticism. I think you could make that argument. I mean, all you've got to do is walk down the street today and see just a general lack of beauty in the average street that you walk down in this country, unfortunately. And that's not, you know, I'm not trying to knock everyone or, you know, it's just go walk out to your little kind of main street near your place. Unless you're in one of these nice little places like where Chris lives, you know, it's a pretty ugly strip molly affair out there. You know, there's the Walmart sign and the, the mobile gas sign and this sign and that sign all competing for your attention and all these little gray boxes and brown boxes and tan boxes, you know, or metal and glass boxes. And it's all utilitarian. It's all meant to facilitate business and to be convenient. And it has no beauty instilled in it whatsoever. Well, it's not part of the architecture. It's not part of the design. And it's not even thought about, is it? Well, no. It's, it's, well, it's, I think it's very lightly considered at best. And yeah, Halston points this out. And when he makes a difference between this, I'm going somewhere with this. When he makes a difference between um, science and art, he goes, art difference differs from science in that art arises from the impulses of the soul. While science from the reasonings of the intellect. So I think there is so much, and this is in the uh, 30s, 1935, 37, something like that when he wrote this. Um, probably more so now. Uh, if you look back at buildings of the 30s and you think, oh my gosh, these things are historic landmarks. Very nice, yeah. You know, Art Deco and, you know, and everything. Sure. He, he would go on later in the 50s to, and 60s to uh, show his displeasure for the, uh, the steel and glass you know, boxes that we seem to have now that still seem to dominate. And I think this comes from very much scientifically analyzing, okay, I have a lot of a certain square footage and I want to put a structure here and I want to have a parking garage and I want to have as many units to rent out for commercial or for, uh, you know, whatever it's going to be, yeah. uh, groceries or something. And then that drives the design. How, and obviously, a cube, if you have a square uh, <laughs> plot of land, you know, the, the biggest type of building you can get on that is probably going to be a cube. Or something, you know. Some I would, of, I would assume. You know, yeah. fill up the whole block. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> Leave yes. the sidewalk for the the people. Leave the sidewalk the, because you have to parking garage, and then yeah. just go straight up. And many buildings are like that. Yeah, uh, it is just the maximum you can get on, uh, you know, a certain a plot. Yeah, uh, but that, but is that the maximum though? Okay, yes, you can get the most, mm-hmm. um, and then you can rent more units out. It's all just done kind of with the numbers. And that drives it, not like sure. well, what kind of um, experience do we want people to have when they come here to this strip mall, mm. <laughs> you know, or whatever. I mean, it seems like in the... Or do we need another strip mall? <laughs> well, is yeah. It's actually the legitimate question to ask. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think it, that it... dominates the, uh, the design process. And it's, yes, if you can have commercial real estate or anything like that or public space... You know, yeah. It has to serve, you know, a purpose. Uh, there has to be some Certainly. necessity. Uh, but can there be, you know, a way of including that? Because look at the, the Greeks. And that's where a lot of this stuff is coming from. Yeah. Um, you know, they were, you know, square buildings. But I mean, it was, a, but they had the columns. There's... They did things they didn't have to do because they wanted to do them because they felt that proportion of rectangle uh, yeah. was more pleasing or there's an experience when you walk in under these giant columns and come to this inner sanctum. You know, just even moving through the space, you know, gave you an experience. And it wasn't mm-hmm. unsettling or upsetting. I think a lot of the architecture now, it's like jarring just to be, or the yeah, art, or even some of the music, just to be wild, just to be crazy. Well, I'm going to be raunchy. Well, I'm going to be raunchier than you. And yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, this one-upmanship. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's fine. I mean, you know, I think art and architecture should violate norms every now and then. I think that's 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 part of it. It's part of it doing its duty. Um, but to have really, really bland looking structures and sounding music that just maximize hits or clicks or units you can rent, mm-hmm. um, you're not, I think you're losing sight of why you're doing it in the first place. 
I, I completely agree. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, things are going to have a certain amount of utility. There is going to, especially with buildings, there's going to be building codes and there's safety considerations. And I, I get all that. Uh, I don't think though that uh, I think you're right about that. It's like the, the sort of bottom line is, is the, the sort of technical details weighed out, you know, quote unquote, scientifically to maximize profits, minimize costs and, um, you know, utilize the most of the space to, to its greatest, you know, economic utility without thought of beauty, without thought of how it's going to interact with the natural environment, without thought of how it's going to affect the neighborhood and the psychology of the people around, without thought of, of the larger scope of beauty even considered. Does it fit in with the rest of the architecture, with the natural coloring of the environment in terms of the trees and landscape around it and, and so on. And it's like, these are considerations that ancient people used to, even ancient people, I shouldn't even say that. That's not, that's not even fair because these considerations were even part of mainstream USA designs. If you look at old, old buildings, um, if you go to small places like where you live out in Monrovia or you go to uh, like out in Boulder, Colorado, you know, it's a smaller, a smaller city and it's, you know, it's, it's very much more human. If you go to, you know, the Midwest to the smaller, older towns, you know, you see this kind of, there's a harmonious sort of design to things, you know, things fit together. Well, it's, it's not jarring. It's human scaled. It's not built for cars and wide laned highways and trucks and all of the, you know, all the stuff that we live with now. And I, I get it, you know, times change and all that, but it's like, you have to look at, I think, and this is what aesthetic aesthetics is all about is, what am I, you know, what do I value in life? What am I trying to accomplish? What is, you know, what is beauty? What is, you know, what is, how does that affect me? And, and, you know, how, how can I create more of that in my environment? And, you know, the, the philosophy, it really gets into the philosophy of meaning and importance and soul and, and all of this. And I think that's, what's kind of missing from a lot of our considerations of design, both in, you know, and clothing is another thing, you know, clothing used to, used to be made to last and it was, you know, it was well-made and it was, you know, it was, it was meticulously designed and, and sewn together with, you know, very high quality materials by skilled craftsmen. And now it's, you know, just throw away crap that you buy at a, you know, a big box store and, you know, basically it, it's going to have maybe some, a t-shirt with some slogan of the moment that you're going to throw in the garbage in three weeks because it's passe. There's no, you know what I mean? There's no thought to the, to the sort of substantial kind of length of life in an item or the beauty of it or the quality of it or the feel of it, you know? And I think that's what even up until this really is, is a pretty modern thing. I mean, and by modern, I mean the last, you know, 50, 60 years, because even up until the you know, 60s, 70s and 80s, even though things started going that way, you know, in the 50s, there was still a, a real consideration of, of quality. You know, if you, if you bang on an old car from the 50s, I mean, that thing is made to last. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's thousands of pounds of, of, you know, steel and, you know, it's, it's, it's built. And, and again, I mean, that's, it's inefficient now and all that. We have better materials. I get all that, but, but there's a certain aesthetic sensibility. There's a certain idea of quality. There's a certain, you know, feeling in the designs and so on. And I think some of that is, is, is missing in, in, in our lives today. And I think that that's a great shame. And, you know, we have to I think if we go back and we study some of this material and try to revive it, not just the material, but study, you know, look at great art, you know, listen to great pieces of music, go and, you know, if you can go to buildings that are beautifully designed. And, and again, you know, in, in it's specifically in Los Angeles, I mean, if you go like, for example, even I think it's, it's online, like the, the designs are those plans, those pictures and designs for the PRS up online, or is that something that's just in those 
I don't know. They, I, they could they could be. I'm sure somebody's got no. uh, got them posted somewhere. But my uh, point it, is though that Manley Hall was trained to do that with his building. He wanted those, yeah. right? Well, ironically, what he wound up with was a late '50s some cinder block cube, yeah. um, which uh, in some ways was probably something he wouldn't have. You know, would definitely wasn't his first choice. It wasn't the, yeah. the great architectural drawings uh, from Robert Stacey Judd. Yeah. Of, uh, and some of that had to do with zoning. Some of it had to do with the advent of the automobile, because what they had to do is allow for so many cars to park in the parking lot that they didn't have before when the electric transit system went all through Los Angeles. You go to the beach, you go to the mountains, you go all mm. over town and you could go to the PRS on the red line. And, uh, you, so you didn't need a car, but then as they were getting the building and the building funds together and anyway, it's just kind of what they wound up with. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it was ideal. functional and there's, there's some art architectural, there's some things put into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but it's to idealize something, uh, yeah. even if it doesn't, you know, fully pan out that way. Yeah. No, you're not. shooting it's, for it. But you shoot. Exactly. You know, exactly. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, art isn't valued in a lot of these decisions with what are essentially, you know, artistic endeavors, you know, from architecture to fashion design to music and everything uh, is because the value isn't recognized. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? The, it's not put into the design because it's not that it's overlooked or that it's, it's just not, it's not even on the radar. It's and, not even thought of. Yeah. And I think if you think of that and let's, you know, maybe get into that, then what is the purpose? What is the value? What effect does beauty uh, as expressed through, you know, many different arts uh, have on our inner life and our soul and uh, our uh, mental capacity and uh, our emotional states uh, does it have an effect? You could even ask. And if so, mm -hmm. what effect? Yeah. And if beautiful art and architecture and proportion, he talks about symmetry and things like that, all these different terms, uh, is not in line or in harmony with the universe, does it have a negative effect? And I think that bears some study or discussion. Absolutely. So let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, to kind of get back to the idea of that, you know, you, you touched on something that I think is really important. It's like the fact that in, you know, in most, when most people set out to create something, um, if they're not even thinking about the idea of beauty, they're not thinking about um, those considerations to begin with. I mean, they're, they're, when it's not even in the in the discussion, then of course you're going to come out with, you know, these hideous strip malls and these, you know, multi-laned highways and these like really ugly concrete structures that we've created for ourselves and so on. Um, because the only consideration is the utility of it. It's like the purpose and the economy of it and the cheapness of materials and, and all of that. Uh, so, you know, the, I guess the first thing you've got to do to even kind of, to even kind of approach this is to think that there is some value in beauty. So you've got to kind of understand and, and, and look at um, how, how, why is that important? And, and my thought, and I think Manley Hall's and I think the Neoplatonists would agree is like, you know, there's something inherently uh, necessary. There's something, or I should say, there's something within us that needs to see beauty that actually goes kind of crazy without it, without seeing it, that needs to create it. It needs to see these harmonious things. It needs to see things, you know, go like, in a, like it wants to see a story go from a beginning to a middle to an end. Like there's almost like an archetypal sort of uh, necessity. It's, it's within us that is looking outside ourselves to fulfill these experiences that we, we, we need within ourselves, I guess. And so, you know, great art, great plays, great music have the qualities of those rhythms and those, you know, those those uh, harmonies and symmetries that we see in, in fine art and in great, you know, in great music, great, great architecture, the line and the, the quality of it all sort of 
lights up something within ourselves that helps us be better people, helps us, you know, to live more harmoniously within. It helps us to be more ethic, ethical and moral. Manly Hall even talks about in, in, in this lecture, um, beauty. What was the name of that lecture we watched? We both watched this. It was on, if you just look up Manly Hall beauty on, uh, on YouTube, it'll, it'll come up. He's talking, though, about how, you know, the, this idea of like the Pythagorean ideas of music where this this harmony and it could actually have an effect on the soul. He was talking about how someone like uh, one of Pythagoras's students came upon some young man who had been jilted by his girlfriend. He was going to burn the family house down. And so this student of Pythagoras played a certain chord or note and it. And and, he, and it just like kind of broke this, you know, state of confusion and anger and frustration that this kid had and actually was able to calm him down. And then they talked about it and he stopped, you know, he stopped his crazy action because he just struck this, this chord on his instrument that like created this harmonious sound that resonated within this kid and like realigned the energy within this anger within him. It, you know, and they used to talk about music soothing the the soul of the savage beast or something like that. You've heard that before, right? Well, it's true in mythology. Um, I think it was um, Orpheus when he went yeah. down to the underworld. Uh, he had to get past um, Cerebrus, you know, the three-headed dog at the gate. It, it's in many stories, and I think Harry Potter too. Uh, and you have to somehow, to gain passage, you have to get through this, this you know, horrible three-headed dog um, and uh, Orpheus played music, and the music was so soothe soothing that even, you know, these gatekeepers um, were able to lay down and allow him to pass freely without harm. That's a great. I think point. Hercules attacked them with his sword. I think he was a little more blunt in his approach to, to the three-headed <laughs> well, dog. You know, there's it's a, a different myth, yeah. a different thing. We're not, <laughs> yeah. uh, not quite going there, but sure. Um, but sure. I mean, we know when there's someone hits a bad note. And yeah. we can be horribly critical of, of people on singing shows and <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, things like that. Um, so and you know when something's off. Built sure. in, isn't it? You can yeah. feel it when something doesn't feel right or, or a movie doesn't. And this is what's so interesting about it. And this is why I think it's important to study these ideas of aesthetics and so on, especially if you want to, you know, if you're really into media and music and film and so on, to understand some of these ideas so you can actually kind of critique a film well so you can talk about it. I mean, for me, it's like watching the film is is super enjoyable and, you know, and obviously I get a lot out of it. Um, but then the sort of anal analyzing of it and the talking about it with people who care about film and the kind of arguments sometimes that you get in about whether or not this means this or this is a great film or this was the right use of music. That stuff is, for me, is like probably more fun than the film itself, right? So, or for any film, you know, nerd, it's like that. So, you know, with anything you're, you're really into, it's kind of like that. And, and so the, 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 you know, the medium, like the more you know about it, the more you know about aesthetics and the more you understand about the, the different arts that you're interested in, whether it's painting or dance or film or, or music, you know, the more, like, it just opens up a world of, of appreciation that you, you you didn't have when all you could do was just kind of say, well, that sucked and I don't really know why. Mm. Or that was a great movie, but I can't really explain to you why. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. That, that like you're, I guess my, my point is like, there's two levels going on. One, you innately know what you like and don't like. And a lot of it has to do with things we're talking about, these aesthetic qualities, like this, you know, the, the lighting and the, you know, the storytelling and the symmetry and the, and the kind of like balance and, and the, and the sound quality and all of these different things. And even how the story unfolds, is it a satisfying story resolution at the end that, you know, you well, the endings do. Yeah. Right. A big thing. So that, that, those are all aesthetic considerations, you know, there is something within you that has expectations. Partially it's built up by, by culture and by the other films we've watched and the stories we've heard. And partially it grows out of these archetypal mythologies and these archetypal energies that already exist within us that are something we, you know, we're born with. 
just it's we're, we're pre-wired with the with the you know the sort of capability to kind of understand these stories and understand these symbols instantly we might not be able to explain it but lights up something within us right it's so, part of who we are it's part of who we are an artistic the artistic nature of the human being goes back as a matter of fact that's how we know there will there were people before us you might dig up some bones here and there but if you find you know, in a cave, some paintings on the ceiling. Um, well, then, you know, somebody was there a long time ago and they did art. Um, and you can go like, well, they're talking about the hunt or it was some, you know, ritual thing or some way of these primitive people, you know, uh, making sense of their world. It's like, well, maybe it looked, looked pretty arty to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe it has a multi-purpose, you know, but it was, it was, there were definitely artists doing that. It wasn't, they weren't engineers or, uh, you know, uh, because they wouldn't, um, you know, they wouldn't do it right. Uh, Or they wouldn't do it in in that, or add that beauty um, into it than in ours. But but it is something innate. I really believe that. Yeah. Uh, And we may have different ideas on what we think is a good song or a good movie. Uh, We might like one and someone else might prefer some other one that, that we don't find interesting, but uh, that's not as important as that we all know that there's something with us, mm-hmm. our perspective, our uh, feeling of art uh, and beauty and resolution in things in a song or in a movie uh, is so important. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, the movie had me going and then the ending had me like, what? Um, you're not leaving the theater with a good feeling. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or wasting, you know, that time or something that there has to be some uh, you know, the song has to end. There has to be a bang at the end or something. Uh, otherwise, it's the symphony or whatever will just go on and on and on. Uh, but we know that, like the hero's journey, we've talked about that with uh, movies, that that is, you know, archetypally imprinted in our beings. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're stored in the body. Uh, so when we connect with these myths, if they're told in a mythological way, uh, we really, really resonate with. And then when those are violated, those rules, I guess, in quotes, mm-hmm. um, it, it doesn't fit. And I'm saying, you know, again, in art and music, anything, you, they're the jarring, the going out of the norm, uh, going against uh, the harmony or something can be very, very useful. And it's part of the expression, uh, but it's not the main thing. You know, those are yeah. used sparingly and, uh, and have their place absolutely but it can't be the yeah. baseline and i think that's kind of where we've headed with this stuff we've lost some of the and there's a freedom well, and a playfulness in, in this art it should be freeing for the soul it should be opening up ideas and and hope and uh dreams of the the future or some higher thing within or around us um inspiration that's it's inspiration isn't it well that's that difference you you know and i can't remember if you mentioned this before we were talking or at the beginning of the show but there's uh this idea that manly hall talks about between idealism and realism Mm. you know and idealism is you know is is more of the classic idea of of aesthetics and what that means is that you're you know you're you're shooting for for a higher ideal for a transcendental state you're trying to you know, you're trying to achieve a certain perfection, both in the art itself uh, or in the perfection of, say, the human form that you're sculpting or painting uh, or, you know, a certain moral perfection that you're trying to uh, to to elucidate in a, in a, in a great play or a, a piece of poetry um, and so forth. You know, those are ideals that one would shoot for you know, they're, they're, you're not going to necessarily achieve them. You may, uh, but they're ideals. And the point is you're aiming towards something higher. You're aiming towards something transcendental, something spiritual, something invisible, something meaningful um, versus a realist approach, which is, you know, I'm just going to kind of reflect the, the, the ugliness of my environment and that's artwork. And I, I would argue that most contemporary artwork, most contemporary writing, most contemporary storytelling just is a reflection of the ugliness of the world, but in a sort of, 
semi-artistic or semi-creative like you know display uh you know and so you know there's not really the shooting for the for the ideal for something better for something more ethical more spiritual more you know something higher and i would argue that you know it it really does us a disservice. It's one thing to, if I understand, just like you said, I, I, you know, sometimes a shock or, a, or, or some, you know, some, some discordant, you know, notes or something can really highlight something and point it out, but to truly transform uh, within, you know, there needs to be this, the symmetry and the beauty of a sort of positive message also. And I think we've, we've lost that to some degree because we, you know, we're so busy you know, putting this idea forth that everything is relative and everything is subjectively true. In other words, like, you know, everyone's opinion is equally valid because we all have different opinions or, or since, you know, for example, we're all reading a novel or all watching a movie and we all have different ideas about it, that there's no objective truth behind it and there never could possibly be any. And these are some of these ideas that come out of postmodernism and are taught in university and even in you know junior high and grade school now that there is no ultimate value to anything that there is no ultimate truth to anything that there is nothing of beauty that's agreeable to anyone you know that we can all agree on and so forth and i think that's a, I, don't, I think it's a very dangerous and nihilistic idea and then everyone just starts representing all the darkness around them as you know how life is the, the real issue is how should life be? What are we mm -hmm. aiming towards? You know, and that's the other difference between, between we talked, you know, you talked about science, the idea of science. Science is just really investigating how things are. It's not saying anything about how things should be. And it's not its domain, nor should it be its domain. It doesn't even claim to make value judgments. You know, so you have these twin forces of science, which isn't making any value judgments. And then you have the, the, the opposite side of that, which is postmodernism, which, say, which says no judgments about any value are possible because we all have this subjective point of view and there is no objective truth or reality anywhere. It leaves people nihilistic and, and empty. And then you see this ugly, discordant, you know, kind of world that we live in. I think it's I think it's really dangerous. And that's why it's, you know, it, it doesn't mean that everything has to go back to, you know, pretend like it's the Renaissance or pretend like we live in classical Greece and we're going to start constructing, you know, temples with columns and all this. But it's looking at the ideals that that were held by these individuals and trying to apply those to the world that we live in today in some fashion that works for us. It's looking at principles. And again, like one of those principles, if just two things, just asking yourself, you know, how can I make this utilitarian thing beautiful, you know, that I'm working on um, so that it's both useful and beautiful, just asking that question and then saying, you know, am I with whatever I'm working on, if it artistically speaking, am I trying to, to provide a certain amount of, of inspiration, a certain amount of, you know, perfection to shoot for a certain ideal to strive for in this in some way or another, you know, is there meaning and value in this work or am I just putting out some commercial schlock to try to make a buck? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, I am. And it, you know, and it, the artistic expression doesn't have to be uh, beauty in the sense that it's, Oh, it's, it's happy and it's positive and everyone's clean and nice and, caring about each other you could take a movie that i think artistically was fantastic rocky uh from the 70s it's gritty it's philadelphia it's crappy the weather sucks no one's happy uh they look terrible uh rocky's a boxer who gets beat up actually that's one of his strong points is if he has a he can get hit in the head enough and uh so many times that it wears the other guy out uh, nothing good about it at all he doesn't even win at the end uh, you know, yeah. but he did more than win because yeah. it wasn't about that. It was about hope. It was about becoming. It was about seeing if he can go the distance. It was about transcendence, going beyond his environment, his past, his own self, his own shadow, his own personality, yeah. the odds, everything uh, to just do one thing and go the distance. 
And that, you know, that's one of the reasons I think that movie was so successful. And it, it was about, it wasn't about that people just love boxing or Philly in 76. It was, it was that inside of us, all of us, that, you know, maybe it's not too late. We still have a chance to, to show, to prove that I'm not a bum, you know, from the neighborhood. I'm actually somebody who can stand up for myself and go the sure. distance. You know? Absolutely. And that's, I think, you know, so the display of art doesn't, it can be gritty and hardcore and everything. And sometimes that is a good way to show hope and beauty because if it can live and survive and ultimately thrive, uh, against the odds in the environment, like a flower growing up to the crack of a sidewalk for no other reason than to just do it. Um, that's hope that beauty does conquer and can survive and ultimately have that survival and uh, thriving within us. Well, absolutely. And, you know, and again, that's, that's a great point because, you know, beauty is not just some sort of, you know, sort of, Pollyanna-ish view or Disneyfied view of the world, where you know we're just putting on a happy face or something. You know, if you you know, there's great like, for example, the Pietà, that's a sculpture uh, of of Mary holding Jesus's limp body, that's in in St. Peter's uh, Cathedral, um, is it's tragic. You know, there's, there's a tragedy to some great art. You know, you see Jesus hanging on the cross with, you know, these very detailed, you know, uh, and, you know, graphic displays of his suffering. There's still a, there's a, there's a beauty and a transcendence to that because he's over, he's overcoming that pain and that destruction, you know, uh, in, in his resurrection. And you know that because you know, the narrative, um, you know, so it's it's not necessarily, you know, there's like, you know, there's like Francisco Goya's paintings are very, very dark, but there's a there's a beauty and a recognition of the, you know, the terrors of the world and the darkness. But at the same time, you know, love and 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 proportion and beauty and, you know, re regrowth and rebirth and so on, all these things that, that occur. Right. So it's the to beauty is like the totality and harmony of life. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to pick out this this little you know, corner of the world that I think is constructive and positive, And that's all that beauty is. It's just beautiful things. You know, beauty, beauty can also, you know, be terrifying things. I mean, you can see, you know, you can see beauty in a, you know, in a, in a, in the, you know, in a volcano's uh, dis display, uh, you know, and I mean, that's so destructive, but at the same time, you're like, well, something wholly new is being created. You know, maybe an island might be being built out of this. I mean, it's a very, creation of the earth that's going on you know this lava that's spewing out of it and this great red fire and you know, smoke billowing out and ash and it's like there's there's a strange beauty to that to that as well do you know what i mean and so it's not well, i just do like, i know exactly what you mean because i experienced the bobcat fire here in los angeles uh, for weeks outside my window i could see the whole thing you could smell it um the planes dropping the Fosjack and the helicopters and the firemen and the whole deal. Uh, and it was scary. We were under evacuation orders. You didn't know which way the fire was going. It would get closer. And I got to admit, I could not stop watching. It was in a sublime way. There was the, just the destructive power of nature, this force of fire. Uh, it was mesmerizing. Well, and then and there's then there's the drama of the firefighters trying to fight it back, and you know, and you know, if the winds shift, all of a sudden there's this dramatic change in yeah. color, and you know, and it might mean, you know, and there's a whole there's yeah, a whole drama, yeah, very destructive, but there's definitely a beauty to it. Yeah, and, you in know, that so, sense, and like you're saying, the larger picture that well, it's a natural force, and the force will return. It always does. Actually, wildfires have been around longer than people. Sure. It's part of nature's way of, of doing what it does. Uh, though I think sometimes we put fires out and sometimes we, we make them worse or start them. We're still. Sure. Exactly. Um, yeah. But it's still it's still part of a, uh, a function of the earth. And, yeah. Uh, and to experience it on such a grand scale. Uh, so sure. close uh, day after day. So um, I think, you know, ca so, so it's capturing that kind of, you know, power uh, or that feeling in a, in a painting or or, you know, in a piece of music that was trying to emulate what was going on during those fires or something like that, you know, those things can be, can be really beautiful pieces because they're representing, you know, the drama of, of life, the drama of the natural world. 
Um, you know, and, and there's, there's a symmetry and an order and a cyclical nature to it. Like you said, I mean, fires have been with us forever and, you know, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain, a certain kind of order and symmetry to the whole thing. And it's some, sometimes, you know, I think that great art can point us to remember that there, you know, the point to the whole thing is that there, there is an underlying order. There is an underlying structure. It's not all meaningless. It's not all going nowhere. You know, and I think that the modern world is continually telling us, well, it's just a happy accident that we're alive. And I don't believe that that's true. You know, Luke, I, I, I really don't see that the way that everything works together in you know, this infinite, you know, interconnected nature. It seems a little, uh, a little complicated to just be a, you know, a, a cosmic accident. I don't know. That's my feeling on it. You know, other people feel differently, but I think that. You know, even if you think it's a cosmic accident, the fact that it's all this interconnected reality and there's there's an order to it and, a, and a, you know, a, there's seasons and, you know, there's a certain order to the, you know, to the planets and how everything, you know, the, the whole thing is 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 representative of beauty and order and structure from top to bottom. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we forget that when we think, you know, oh, life seems so chaotic. Here's the other side of it. It's like you go outside, you drive down the street with, you know, thousands of other people. Most of them are distracted and staring at their phone. Most of them are drinking coffee, you know, vaping, listening to the radio and their kids at the same time. And yet... 99.9% of the time you get where you're going without getting hit, killed, or even bumped up against in your car. It's remarkable. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's an order and harmony and flow to traffic even, you know? So it's like, these are the things that this great art is trying to represent and remind us of. I think that we forget about so often when we're so busy you know, in our day-to-day lives, we don't have time for beauty. We don't have, you know, who has time for this? And, you know, Manly Hall talks a great deal about this. And he says, you know, buy a great piece of art, buy a great sculpture, buy some fine books, some collectible books, you know, even if you have to save, you know, or, you you know, he's talked about, you know, the guy that buys a brand new car every year. Instead of doing that, maybe one of those years, you know, buy a great painting instead and keep the old car for an extra year. Um, you know, and if we can put in our own lives this, this sense of these beautiful, fine, you know, pieces of artwork, it, it, it connects us to something deeper in ourselves. It connects us to, to a part of ourselves that's seeking that, that order and that connection and that, that again, that, I, that transcendental experience. And it's like we're touching on, you know, in certain pieces of artwork, you know, and especially during the Renaissance and that classical period, and even Greeks, some of the, you know, the Greek sculptures of the gods and so on, there's a quality of this, like this, there's just, there's a spiritual quality that's just imbued in this work that you can feel. It opens up something in your soul, you know, and if you, and, and the reason why is because those artists were aiming for that. They wanted that to occur and they created the portion and the design and the color and the imagery and the emotion. And, you know, that was a part of their soul and they imbued that artwork with what was in their soul. And you're, you know, you're feeling that, but you can't achieve that kind of artwork if you don't cultivate that within your own soul, right? That sense of beauty, that sense of connection, that spiritual sense. And that's that spiritual sense is, has meaning at the bottom of it. You have to develop a, a belief that there is order and meaning and some some kind of higher purpose to this all this thing don't don't you think well the, yes the arts uh at that point then just become the expressive manner in which these values these meanings these purposes um, this beauty is projected you're right it has to be there in the artist it has to be there in the architect it has to yeah. be in the design um, that yes, we will use certain proportions that are, you know, deemed better than other proportions. And even if, even if the golden ratio, maybe that doesn't really work. I don't know. Why wouldn't it? But your average person, they walk into a room or a building or something and it's a rectangle or, you know, structure. It's like, well, are they going to know that the doorway is, is the golden mean? 
in the ratio between the you know the door jam and the, the hinges or something i don't know uh, maybe maybe it affects everybody who walks through that doorway but the point is the architects were at least thinking about that mm -hmm. i think that's almost even more valuable than the, the thing itself it's the attempt um you know an effort to do something I, noble and beautiful. Absolutely. I think and people do know. That has to go into the process. I think and, people yeah. do know on yeah. a certain level. They might not be able to articulate it, but they can feel it. Why the hell else would millions of people from around the world continue to visit Greece, Italy, France, England, Spain, to look at the architecture, look at the great churches and cathedrals, look at the buildings, look at the streets, look at the artwork, if it didn't have an effect on them? It makes it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, and then you look at you, you know, you know, having been in Italy, it's like it's the thing that's so different about being in Europe in in older parts of it, in places that aren't as you know as designed in such a modern way, is that 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 sense of beauty is in is in all of your day to day life. It's in the little shop that sells cheese. It's in the you know the 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 13th century cathedral with skulls on the outside of it it's in the um you know in the fountain the you know the lion face fountain that's that's you know spewing water from you know from the underground aqueducts it's like it's in everything everywhere and it's human scale everything is built on a human scale and it those proportions and those lines and those ideas that you're talking about those you know the certain the ideas of sacred geometry and stuff informed the whole thing. And something in that speaks to people's souls. And that's why people still continue to go there, despite the fact that it's overpriced and it's crowded and it's difficult to travel. And, you know, there's language barriers and all this stuff. People go there by the millions still to, to experience that firsthand because it's, they don't have it in their own countries. We don't have that in the U S they don't have that in Japan. They don't, they don't have that in New Zealand. You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you go there to experience that, whether or not you can articulate that there's something in our soul that, that, that recognizes that beauty and recognizes those proportions and the golden mean and, you know, all the Pythagorean, you know, ideas of mathematics and so on that go, that go into all that building that all those Renaissance artists knew about. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think we do know, I think some part of us does yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I um, kind of juxtaposed that. I spent some time in Tokyo a couple weeks. And um, what I found interesting, not the architecture and, and stuff like because they're, they're Tetris in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's even a word because you know, everything has to be boxy because it has to fit because there's a lot of people in a very um, relatively small space. Um, and uh, but what they have are so many either public or semi-private parks and places and it's more of in the environment mm. so like you know the boxes in the houses you know a lot of that stuff just looks like shipping containers um, or worse uh, but then there's a blank spot and there's a shinto shrine and a pool of water in the ladle where you can uh, do a ritual and you're you know five minutes when you're walking by when you're walking to the train station you can stop by um, and you're in a completely different environment in this giant city. Uh, even alleyways would have a, you know, the size of a birdhouse, some little shrine or something like that. Oh, that's that it, beautiful. That it still comes through. Um, and, and that took effort and that's veneration. And again, even if it was done poorly or in a very basic or rudimentary way, it was done. It was. Yeah, absolutely. And it was absolutely. consecrated or venerated enough to yes i'm going to put this up and then somebody else is going to go say oh well isn't that nice you know a break from the you know the traffic and all the you know it's a crazy city uh, but there were these little spaces and it just you know it was a little break but it also reminded you that there is something better there is beauty and of course nature being kind of the driving force you know behind a lot of these shrines in the very uh, natural settings um you know, away from the kind of colder steel uh, city and concrete, you know, part. Uh, and it's a reminder that, you know, uh, we need to reach beyond what we can actually grasp. You know, mm -hmm. that we dream beyond maybe what we can achieve. 
because that gets you further along. You know, if you're just looking at what is or doing derivative art on uh, what's around you uh, immediately in your environment and what is this kind of scientific intellect uh, influencing things, uh, you're not asking what could be, what might be, you know, what, what lies beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You know, that dream of, of art and beauty that I think if we can connect with that dreamingness or that, uh, like you said, that transcendent quality, um, then art and beauty has done its, its purpose. Absolutely. And I, I love the way you brought that up uh, about the, about the Japanese. I think it's a fantastic point because, you know, we may not be able to, to change our, our physical environment where we live, uh, but we have control over these, over some small spaces and we can create little oases of, of in our lives. Uh, we can certainly do that in our own home, you know, by purchasing a nice painting or, you know, just getting some fresh flowers or just, you know, kind of straightening things up and arranging the furniture in a more pleasing manner. Um, you know, maybe putting a new coat of paint on the walls or something. These are all aesthetic considerations in our environment. Uh, you know, even out, outside, you know, you could maybe take a, a little patio area and create a little a little garden space with some, you know, raised bed gardening or some some pots of flowers and so on. I mean, there's 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 things we can do to beautify the environment that we do inhabit, and then start thinking about, you know, how how you might be get how you might get involved if. If there's, you know, if you want to see things change, you know, how you might want to, maybe you want to learn to, to, to be a designer or an architect or something and, and really, you know, try to try to put these aesthetic ideals into motion and into buildings again. Or, you know, you want to learn how to play music or put more beauty into the, you know, the music that you already play or something. You know, you can you know, study the, the, the study, the master, study these great pieces and so on and see how you might adapt that to your own your own art. You know, it could even, you know, your graphic design or your digital art or something might be influenced by something you see in a, you know, in a Renaissance painting. I mean, look at Da Vinci and look at, you know, Botticelli and, um, and, and the great painters of the Renaissance and, you know, the, the Flemish masters. And, you know, there's, there's great, you know, periods of art and it's not just European art. I mean, look at, you know, tribal artworks and, uh, you know, ancient art from, from the Egyptians and, you know, African art. Uh, Nigerian sculptures from uh, Ife, these beautiful bronze sculptures that were done. I mean, so it's not just, you know, it's not just Western art that's, that's, that's trying to, that has these ideas of beauty and aesthetics. I mean, it's all over the world. You know, it's just that in, in the West, you know, our sort of most, our best example of this is probably the Renaissance and, you know, you know ancient, ancient Greece. So, you, you know, you can kind of look to those periods and kind of um, you know, pull out the principles and ideals and look at that work and think about how those, those masters worked and, and try to, you know, kind of imbue your work with, with, with those ideals and principles. It'll, it'll bring new life to it. Think about, you know, think about what you're doing in that. So, and even if you're not a specifically creative person, I mean, you can still, you know, like Manly all talked about in that, that, that lecture on beauty, you know, you can learn how to play the piano. And even if you play the piano badly, at least you're making an effort at trying to create something beautiful, learn how to paint. And even if, again, you're not a great painter, you're trying to express yourself and trying to express beauty. Uh, so those are, those are things you can think about any kind of parting words you might have. And by all means, have fun doing it. There you go. Indeed. Whatever your expression, uh, there's the art of raising children. There's the, everything can be an art of living. And, there's nothing more beautiful than a smile. So if you're playing piano poorly, but you're having fun, that's beautiful. That's a great, great way to put it. You know, it's like, I think we grit our teeth through life so much to bring that joy back in and that purpose. Like, why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing this to, you know, I'm, I'm spending all this time with my child because I want them to have a great life and, you know, and, and enjoy it and have fun with it. It's not going to last forever. Even if it, you know, at that moment, it's kind of challenging and so on that again, that is an art. It's an art to raising a child art, you know, art to artfully and elegantly raise a child and, a, and create a person of value and a valuable citizen. That's the that's the greatest artwork of all. So, I mean, if you can if you can do that in your life, I mean, you're really doing something special. You're creating the next generation of of of, of you know, valuable, you know, people that are going to contribute to society and be and be you know well-adjusted and, and harmoniously living with other individuals and that's that's huge that's art you're right that's a great point um all right so that's it for today 
check out First Principles of Philosophy, Manly Hall. Uh, especially we just checked out the the chapter on aesthetics. And uh, if you want, go back and listen to our, our lecture on First Principles of Philosophy as well. Uh, the last podcast that we did, it's it's actually called First Principles of Philosophy, so you'll see it in the list. Um, and, uh, you know, think about this. Think about beauty and how it could affect your, your life and so on. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate your insight. Thank you. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we're, of course, here each Sunday, and we're here on Thursday with uh, – Excuse me, on Friday with our Emmett Fox Friday show. I did that last week, too. Emmett Fox Friday show. Uh, so check uh, check that out. Uh, Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky, and mine is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Those are both available on Amazon, and you can contribute to us at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Have a great week. Stay safe out there. We're praying for everybody. Uh, have a, a wonderful week. Goodbye, and God bless.